Welcome back to From My Home to Yours. I'm Matt. I'm Bernadine. And this is the first official episode recorded from a different environment, which you'll probably hear, but it's for the home that we'll be in for the next year. Woohoo! On the west. Yeah. <laughs> move from mid to west. Yes. <laughs> we move from one yeah. side of the world to the other, then from mid to west. Yeah. We've done pretty well. Difference here is we've got ocean. Yeah. We're also so close to everything. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. But it has been a big week. Mm -hmm. It has been a tough week at times. Yeah. It's been an emotional week. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot going on. It's all stuff we can, well, that we will definitely unpack in a future episode. Yeah. But for this episode, we have another very special interview that I managed to capture a couple of weeks ago with the, I guess I'd say the CEO, founder, owner, operator mm -hmm. of expattaxes.ie, which is a fully remote Irish-based website that does consultations and tax-related work for expats and repats. And that's exclusively their work. It's an amazing resource as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stephanie, whom you spoke to, just incredible. Yeah. make a subject that's not necessarily one that people would be like, woo, I want to learn about taxes. I was fascinated. I was like, oh my gosh, this woman is, I could listen to her all day. And she mm. just makes the information very user-friendly, but also interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. But she has a great manner of speaking too. She's really, she's actually really great to talk to. There's a bit towards the end where I couldn't come up with any more questions just because the overwhelming torrent of knowledge <laughs> that she dropped on me. but. um yeah, she's just, she's great to talk to. Yeah, and she's fantastic. Yeah, so definitely don't switch off this episode because it's an episode about tax and accounting. It's stuff that you definitely want to hear, Yep. at least as a starting point. And while the rest of the episode will mostly be the interview, we've got a very special offer yep. that uh, expattaxes.ie has been very kind to submit exclusively through the podcast. So if you're an expat or a repat, and you're thinking of doing your taxes in Ireland at some point, or you need to find out anything more about taxes and the system here, then hang out for the end of the episode and we'll give you more details. To be fair, I think like the tax inquiry relates to pretty much every single person returning to Ireland or be coming to Ireland, whether they're both Irish or not. There's definitely no. going to be some implications somewhere. So this information is very, very pertinent. So please take down as many notes as you can and then get in contact directly with Stephanie yourselves. Yeah. Or just listen to this episode over and over again. Absolutely. Because cause it's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. Without further ado, here is Stephanie Wickham. For episode 12. So we've got another very special interview for the From My Home to Yours podcast listeners today. I'll be talking to someone who is a tax expert from Ireland who also spent a bit of time in Australia. So she's an expat herself. She's been working in tax accounting since 2007. Uh, and in 2019, she started the famous website, expattaxes.ie, which offers uh, accounting and tax-related services to corporations and individuals. And in 2023, the year of recording, uh, she also won, or expattaxes.ie, won the Waterford Digital Awards overall and the Best Export website 
So it's an award-winning website as well. In addition to that, this person also runs the Tax Bites for Expats podcast, which includes some, in fact, probably way more information than we're going to be talking about today. Stephanie Wickham, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. That was such a lovely intro. (laughs) I'm smiling. I'm like, wow. Thank you. It's really lovely. It's really lovely to be on. And it's the first time I've ever appeared on a podcast. So thank you. I'm I'm very um, privileged to be asked. Great. I'll I'll try to go easy on you then. (laughs) Nice and and comfy. So first of all, your podcast is great. Uh, I think anyone listening, if they don't listen to this full episode, should subscribe to Tax Bites for Expats because it provides such a huge amount of information. Uh, And then obviously your business as well. Can you give us a bit of a background to start about how you started, why you started Expat Taxes and how the podcast came about? Of course. So you kind of touched on it. Um, Myself and my husband left Ireland um, kind of at the the back end of the financial crisis. Um, I was relocated with KPMG to KPMG Perth. Um, So landed, we actually backpacked around Asia for four months before we got there and we landed with backpacks in Australia um, and thankfully had a job because we had no other sources of income. And the team I joined in KPMG in Perth was, um, it was called International Executive Services, which basically just means they look after people who are expats. And obviously on the West Coast of Australia, there's lots of oil and gas companies. So there's a lot of movement of people in and out. And that was kind of the start of me working with people who are, you know, moving from one place to the other and learning about, from an Australian perspective, all the tax issues that goes with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, spent the next eight years in Australia. Didn't stay with KPMG that whole time and um, moved to work for another oil and gas because obviously lots of those companies in Perth um, company where they had um, individuals working on in the oil and gas sector. So those vessels moving all around the world and I managed the tax issues that came with that. It was really interesting work. But we then started a family and like many Irish people, you start weighing up, you know, is the lifestyle in Australia does that compensate for maybe the downsides, let's say, of having to raise a, a small young family by yourself without your family around you? And for us, the answer was uh, no, the time was right for us to come back, came back to Ireland. And I often say this to people, you know, when you talk to somebody about setting up a business, we like to think it's like, you know, Steve Jobs sitting in, you know, an office and he's struck by an idea and you know, the rest is history. I think the reality is for most people, it sometimes comes from a place of like necessity. So for me, expat taxes came from a place of, oh, you know, I need a job. Pre-pandemic, my skill set wasn't in massive demand outside of Dublin and Cork. We are based in Washford, so it wasn't realistic for me to commute. Um, and it was actually my my mom and my husband said, why don't you set up tax practice that kind of caters to expats? Because we could see there was a niche in the market. So we did. And to be honest, you know, I know it's a bit of a it's a phrase that's kind of used too often. The rest is kind of history. Um, we're now a team of six. Uh, we work across three countries. We're all Irish, tax qualified, and t- expat taxes has just grown and grown. It's been fantastic. It's been a really whirlwind uh, four years now for us. And the podcast, to answer your question, again, you know, that was, again, it wasn't necessarily something that I thought would get a lot of traction. It's been a lot more successful than I thought it would. But it really came from a suggestion somebody else made to me, you know, about they were going to do a podcast. They wanted to interview me. And I thought, I wonder, would that be something that might get a bit of interest? And it has because, you know, I think a lot of us, the way we consume content now is 
you know, by audio. And that's obviously why your podcast is so, uh, such a hit. And you're driving along, you want to get up to date on a topic and tax, you know, it causes a lot of stress for people or can do when they're moving from one place to the other, particularly international taxes, which is the space we work in. So I suppose just to kind of expand on the offering that we have, we're Irish advisors, which means we offer Irish advice. But we do so in the context of if somebody's moving from Australia to Ireland, we can step them through the issues that kind of come up from an Irish point of view. We have an Australian partner who deals with the Australian side of things. And because I've worked in Australian taxes, I have a, a knowledge of it. But I suppose my... Mm. I'm not actually licensed to provide Australian advice at this point in time. So we tend to gloss over that. But yeah, being an expat myself really helps. And I suppose what kind of for me really is a key thing is just understanding. I, I mean, we were just talking before we started to record, weren't we, about, you know, the stress in the few weeks that lead up to the move of having to like put your life in a box and send that box 10,000 kilometers away and just sometimes not even knowing who to contact when you get somewhere to ask a question about a specific topic. Mm. So, um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question in a in a little, you know, <laughs> a short intro as to who we are and what we do. <laughs> Definitely does. I can I can feel some of the listeners really wanting to ask because this is what a lot of people tra- who have travelled or will be travelling want to know. You and your husband, both Irish. We are. We are. So for anybody listening who needs to like place us on the map because you know Ireland's a small place but we all like to know like what part of the country we're from. Yeah, we're all curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm originally from uh, County Wexford, uh, just not far from where we live now and my husband is from County Carlow. So neither of us have lived in those places for coming up to 20 years but yeah, it, uh, you probably find that do you, you know, it, when you come to Ireland everybody's like well, where are you from and you're like oh you know from the south of Ireland but yeah but where in the south of Ireland we all like to know which bit we're from. Yes. <laughs> If the accent doesn't give you away. <laughs> That's it. But the other curiosity is that where this podcast for us is a little bit different is that I'm Australian, my wife's Irish, and mm. we've chosen to move to Ireland, which doesn't happen as often as you'd expect. More commonly, and we've seen it with close friends as well, that when someone Irish moves, they will find someone Irish that they then marry, and then they move back to Ireland again, mm. which has happened more and more over the last few years. So it's just interesting to hear a little bit of the uh, the global background of uh, relationships and stuff. And you know, it's without kind of jumping too much into the the tax piece too early. That itself, you know, people think that that's a story, but you know, every story in my mind has a tax implication. And you know, you're going to find that your tax treatment in Ireland is different to that of your wife's. Yes. So. These these are the stories that come to us, and you know, then it's about us trying to answer the questions based on the circumstances and facts of the individual. And you know, often see in Facebook groups people asking questions, and you know, someone well well meaning who isn't qualified will jump in and answer them. And to be honest, as tax advisors, we just kind of hold our head in our hands when we see that happen for the very reason that Mm. no two situations are identical, and and that's really what gives rise to being able to kind of give the best advice is when you understand where someone is coming from and their background. Mm. Well, that's a great segue for us to start finally talking about what people are most interested in, I'd say, which is the biggest tax stuff to think about when you are moving. So for the context of the podcast, uh, moving from Australia to Ireland, uh, there's a lot of things that are different with tax that happen in Ireland as opposed to Australia. Some things are easier in Australia and some things are easier in Ireland, but it'd be great to get an overview, perhaps the elevator pitch for considerations for people who are thinking about moving to Ireland in the short term. Yeah, of course. Um, 
So I suppose one of the first things we'll kind of say that jumps out to me is, you know, the residency tests in Ireland in terms of triggering tax residency are different than those in Australia. I probably caveat what I'm going to say about Australian taxes is, you know, get advice from an Australian advisor. But broadly, it's it's kind of sufficient to say that, you know, Australia residency is based on intention. So if you intend to be there for a long period of time, you, you're a tax resident. That's a bit kind of vague in some, in some situations. From an Irish perspective, tax residency is much more cut and dry. If you're in Ireland for a certain number of days in a tax year, in a calendar year, because our tax year is calendar based, you're a tax resident. And everyone knows 183 days. Everyone says that straight off. Oh, I haven't been here 183 days. And that's correct. Um, if you go over that, you're a tax resident. The second test, which is a bit more complicated for people to get their head around when they read it online, is 280 days over the course of two years. So what that would mean is if you'd spent maybe like five months in Ireland last year, and you come back this year, chances are you're going to be a tax resident in the current year if you spend over that amount of time. So the reason why we would ask, you know, if you're a tax resident is because really that's the point at which Ireland has the right to tax an individual's worldwide income. Now, when we look at Australia and Ireland, the tax rates, my comment would be the tax rates in Ireland and Australia are quite high, both. So I think it's about 45, 47%, well, it was last time I checked in Australia. Our tax rates here are about 52%, including social insurance at the higher rate. Uh, I take a married couple, for example, once they're earning over €80,000 as a couple, they're into that higher tax bracket. So um, nothing too notable there, except for the fact that the higher rate of tax in Australia kicks in at a higher rate. So what that means is you could earn more money in Australia before you start getting taxed at those high rates. So bringing that back to residency, it's useful for most people to understand when they're going to become an Irish tax resident, because that's the point at which those higher tax rates are likely going to apply to your income. And that's very much an overarching comment. You know, when we're talking to people and we're doing a consult, we kind of tend to go into much more granular information to kind of give them the T's and C's as they apply to them. But um, main considerations would be you're moving from a relatively high tax jurisdiction to a higher one, if the truth be told. Tax residency is important to understand when you're going to become a tax resident. And I suppose one of the things that tends to kind of really get people into a little bit of a knot is, oh, but the tax years are different. How does it work between Ireland and Australia? In short, that rarely causes a problem. And it's down to the way that we prepared the tax returns. But usually if we take, I mean, a simple one to kind of give people as a nice little nugget to take away is generally what you'll find is if you leave Australia, Australia will stop taxing, for example, your employment uh, income. If you're, you know, leaving an Australian employment You'll have withholding at, at source will stop. Usually there's no issues with it, you know, with the Irish income beyond that. If you've broken your residency in Australia, you come into Ireland, let's say you are a resident in the year you arrive and you go and get a job with an Irish-based employer. You'll find that the pre-arrival employment income, so the Australian employment income from the period before you arrive is not taxed here because there's a relief that exempts it. So this is kind of where we need to start to drill down. We need to understand, are you a tax resident? Then we need to find out what you have, when do you arrive, and we start kind of being able to paint you a picture so that we give you comfort. You uh, haven't mm -hmm. triggered a massive tax liability by doing something like taking a job in a new country. Yes. So before the panic buttons start getting smashed, let's just quickly say before moving on that if you, despite the intention not being uh, an important part of the calculation for residency in Ireland, 
people who intend to live for a year or more in Ireland should prepare to be a tax resident and prepare to pay taxes. That's an important thing, right? Yeah, 100%. And I would say as well, two things there. Yes, if you're moving to Ireland, unless you're coming for you know a holiday, just expect that you're going to have a tax bill at some point in time, unless you have no sources of income, <laughs> which is rare. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing would be, don't assume that your tax bill only crystallizes after that 183 days. That's a common misconception people have. So they tend to think, oh, I've got like six months in country before I have a tax bill. And it's not always the case. Take, for example, the example, you know, the scenario I gave where, you know, you might leave your Aussie employer, you take a new job in Ireland. People generally accept this, but just to kind of be clear, the Irish employment income will be taxed at source. And the reason for that is because it's an Irish source of income. So Irish sources of income, whether it be that it's an Irish employment could be an Australian employment that's being performed in Ireland. In other words, income is sourced where the work is physically performed. So if you're sitting at a desk in Ireland, you've taken your Aussie job with you back to Ireland to work remotely, or maybe you've set up a business that was previously registered in Australia, but you're now doing the work in Ireland, that's all considered Irish source income. And Irish source income under domestic law is always taxable. Now, the treaty can sometimes remove that right for a period of time, but that's that's not to be assumed. It has to be checked. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, you're coming to live in Ireland, get prepared to pay taxes here. And I suppose where we generally find scope for planning with our clients is when they're proactive. Mm-hmm. Not so much around the employment income. You know, if you have employment income or income that's coming from um, a business you might run or a company that you've set up, you know, you, you need to take income from that. It's going to be taxable where the work is performed. Where we find people benefit the most from being proactive is if they have assets, a portfolio of assets. So whether it be investment properties, you know, shares, equities, uh, ETFs, all these things. As soon as someone picks up the phone and they said, you know what, I'm thinking of making the move. What should I do? Now, all of a sudden, we're having a really productive conversation about how things you can consider doing to reduce Mm -hmm. your Irish tax liability. And Just to that point, when you think about the Irish and the Australian system, in Australia, if you, um, as I understand it, hold an asset and you sell it, capital gains tax falls into your income tax calculation. But generally, if you've held something for more than a year, you get a 50% reduction. So what that means is is if your tax rate is 30% in Australia, you sell an asset, you pay 30%, but oh, hold on a second, you've held the asset for more than 12 months. We give you a 50% reduction. You're now paying 15%, let's say, for the sake of this discussion. Mm -hmm. doesn't work like that in Ireland. In Ireland, we have a flat rate of CGT of 33%. So if that asset is sold in a year, you've moved back to Ireland, you sell an asset. Now, all of a sudden, simply because you didn't take advice before you came back, you're now paying the Irish CGT rate of 33%. So this is where it can really be advantageous for people to be proactive in terms of thinking about it in advance. Definitely. And that calls to mind an episode where you talk to an Australian tax lawyer Mm. about how to sell a property you own in Australia while living in Ireland. And the key thing there being, being a tax resident of Australia is important before you sell the property for that reason, because you can optimize the capital gains that you would have to pay as part of selling the property. Yeah. But before we dive into that too much, I want to pick out a couple of things that- (laughs) That we've we kind of glazed over that people might be interested in. So first, 
the tax year in, in Ireland is January 1st to December 31st. Is that right? Yes. Calendar-based, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to Australia, which confusingly makes it July 1st until mm-hmm. June. 30th. Mm. Now, in terms of complications for declaring tax in either country, I can say that if you are coming halfway through an Australian tax year, for example, that you would just make your uh, tax return at the time that you would normally expect to, which you can do remotely from here, which from anywhere in the, in the world, which is much better than it used to be. For Ireland, though, it's a little bit different with the way it works. Obviously, if you have a job, then your employer will remove tax from your income and you don't necessarily need to make a return. But if your circumstances are a little bit different, then the tax return can be a bit different as well, right? Yeah. And feel free to say that all of that was wrong as well, because I'm still learning. <laughs> no, no. And I think what you're saying is, and I, I kind of flesh it out a slight bit, and I'm a little bit nervous to comment on the Australian side of things, because there is a chance that I could be not entirely on point. So again, you know, your listeners should really be speaking to an Aussie accountant, an Aussie tax advisor to confirm these points. But for the sake of the discussion. Let, let's focus on the Irish yeah, system. Exactly. Then. Like the the proclivities of January 1st to December 31st. So like just with Australia, to kind of flesh out your point around, if you leave, normally you do a tax return to the date of departure. That, you, you said that and I agree with it. Um, mm-hmm. In Ireland, it doesn't really work like that. Um, so in other words, if you arrive in Ireland, your tax return is not done from the date of arrival to the end of the year. Uh, why? Well, I suppose, firstly, we've got to go back a few steps. Unlike the Australian system, not everybody in Ireland has a requirement to file a tax return. That's a first point that's quite important. In Australia, you know, you can cl- claim work-related deductions and all these different things, even if you just have employment income and you do that by way of a return. In Ireland, if you are just working for an employer who's deducting tax at source in Ireland from you, you don't have to file a return. Now, if you have income above €5,000, you do have to file a return. There's Revenue's website, there's a couple of other times you may or may not need to, but for the sake of this discussion, once you have, let's say you've rented out an Australian property, you're living in Ireland, you do have to file an Australia or an Irish tax return. But if you've arrived in Ireland, you are, you file the return from 1 January to 31st December. So there's no part year returns in Ireland. That's the first thing I'd say. Now, this is where getting a tax advisor involved is helpful because the treaty can offer protection. In other words, it can allow you to exclude some income or claim credit for taxes. But you're you're entirely right. You know, in an arrival situation, one of the one of the reliefs that you know will offer people comfort. Let's say, for example, somebody arrives from Australia. They have a Australian rental property. They're renting it out. They're living in Ireland, and let's say they're Irish. They have to declare the Australian rental income on the Irish return. So the first thing people usually say is. But I'm paying tax on that in Australia. How can I pay tax in Ireland too? And another line that comes, it's, uh, it's very common. There's a double tax agreement. And I think where people get a little bit confused is they don't necessarily understand that what the double tax agreement says is you come to live in Ireland, you have an Australian rental property, you're you know Irish born and raised. Ireland has the right to tax that rental income because you've triggered tax residency. It will do so, but it will give you credit for the Australian tax that you are paying. So therefore, to come back to your point earlier about how do the two tax years work, this is where your Australian accountant and your Irish accountant have to work together. Our service, we tend to try and keep this bit invisible from our clients. And what I mean by that is I don't really want someone contacting me, you know, trying to get me to be play the middleman with 
an advisor in the foreign country. So we tend to partner with our overseas advisors to try and offer a seamless service. Mm. But for example, from an Irish perspective, they do an Irish return, declare the Australian rental income, claim credit for the Australian taxes that have been paid, and then pay the difference. So I generally say to people, if you want to distill down how the tax system works, once you've triggered Irish residency, you should think about your Irish, your, your overall tax liability in the context of what the Irish rates are. So for example, you have $100 of Australian rental income and the Irish rate, like we said at the start, can be 52%. Think about your tax cost in the context of, I'm going to walk away from this transaction having lost 52 euro or dollars, whatever it is, to the, to the ATO and revenue. You're not going to care who gets what, but the way that the treaty works, the overall rate will be the Irish rate. Now, mm-hmm. sorry, as advisors, we constantly do this. It's important to say there's exceptions to this. And this is where it's really important to get the advice. And, you know, yeah. we, we often want a playbook, don't we? When we're doing these things, we kind of want people to take a complicated situation and distill it down into something really, you know, here are the top five takeaways. And there always is, but it's, it's, it's also... Um, not right for me to kind of say that, you know, there's exceptions to this. Taking you, for example, and this is a, a really interesting point that your listeners can take away. Let's say that Australian rental property was yours only. You wouldn't have an Irish tax liability on the rental income unless you brought the rental income to Ireland. So right. this is what I mean around differences in tax treatment. So I'm not going to bore your listeners because I'm sure, I hope they've all had coffee. <laughs> Because yes. this is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really need to be awake today. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, there is a lot of detail, but we know a bunch of places that people can go if they're listening to this and uh, the question marks start appearing above their head. You know, they can get in touch with you at any time if, if yeah. they want to explore this stuff. But the double tax treaty might be something new that people haven't heard of before. Mm. I know I hadn't until I started exploring things on my own. Uh, what's the nature of the double tax treaty between Australia and Ireland at least and um, you know what are, what are the the main points that it covers for us yeah so I, I suppose a couple of things and this is, might be useful for people who are listening who might not be moving from Australia to Ireland um, Ireland has a very good double tax agreement network now, what does that mean well it means that Ireland has concluded treaties with many jurisdictions from around the world and what they do is they reduce double taxation. Now, double taxation is a very important thing to understand if you're, if you're interested in this space. What does double taxation mean? Well, it would mean that you had $100, Ireland wants to tax it, and Australia wants to tax it. Now, in a terrible situation, what double taxation would mean, take our $100 of rental income, Ireland applies a 52% rate, Australia applies 30%, you walk away from the transaction with, what, 18 left over because they've both taken tax for the same thing. That would be a terrible outcome. That can happen. It, it does happen if you're moving from like a really unusual country in the middle of like Central Africa that we don't have a double tax agreement with, um, mm. subject to some other release that we have under domestic law. But suffice to say, what treaties do is they prevent that situation. Okay. Now, treaties are not designed to allow individuals to optimize their tax situation. And what that means is the rules are the rules. And you will fall into tax in a, in a jurisdiction, usually by the actions you take, not by a desire. So sometimes people will say, I'd like to, I'd like to remain a resident of Australia. And I, the answer is, well, 
you need to take advice in Australia, the revenue won't really care if you're a resident of Australia. They will use the Irish rules to determine if you're an Irish resident. Um, so mm-hmm. what the double tax agreement is, once you've got residency in both jurisdictions under the local rules, or you have a source of income or gain that both countries want to tax under their local rules, the treaty limits the double taxation that I mentioned at the start. In other words, it reduces the risk that both countries apply their individual highest tax rate to the income or gain. And the method that they usually do that by is by giving credit. So if we go back to what I said earlier around the example of, you know, you declare the income in Ireland, it's an Australian rental income, Ireland will give you credit for Australian taxes. That's really what treaties do. The treaties are designed to limit the risk of double taxation they allocate the right to tax to certain jurisdictions. And again, there's no one sentence to summarise that. If we look at the way Ireland or, you know, countries generally conclude treaties, they generally use a template. And so the OECD, I'm trying to remember what the acronym stands for now, the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, I think you can drop it into the show notes if that's not right. The OECD, they basically have a template and countries usually copy it and then include a couple of amendments. So Generally speaking, I'm without even pulling the treaty up, I can tell you that, you know, if you have an Australian rental property, Australia has the right to tax it. The treaty says Australia can tax it. If you're residing in Ireland, Ireland can too, but Ireland has to give you credit for the Australian tax. That's basically what treaties say. And, you know, interpreting them, I often have consults with people. I've been really impressed by a couple, but like generally people struggle to interpret them because they're written in like a legal style. You know, it's not easy to decipher them. Um, so, you know, if you're reading it and you're getting confused, don't feel like you're a failure or an idiot. You're not. <laughs> they're, they're not written in a way that make them abundantly clear for, you know, for Joe Public to kind of understand in, in some situations. We as advisors sometimes struggle to interpret the situation. So my point is um, they're, they're a technical document, ultimately. And not a, not a shield. No. Like you can't expect to brandish the treaty as a evidence in a court of law that you should not be taxed for one thing or the other if the rules state that. Yeah. So I think actually I like that phrase, a shield, you know, so I suppose this, you can kind of go down a rabbit hole here. Um, and, you know, people might be interested in the context of moving to Ireland, you know, often Ireland makes headline news for being a low tax jurisdiction. It entirely mm. is for like massive multinational global corporates that, you know, tend to headquarter themselves here and manage their businesses here and can demonstrate that. For individuals who need to extract money from companies or who have a tax liability here generally, it's it's not, you know, individuals are taxed quite highly here. But the whole concept of shield is, is, is a good phrase because there's a lot of kind of tax talk in, you know, tax circles now and, and the OECD are trying to remove the ability for people to use tax treaties to artificially lower their tax bill. It's unlikely to be relevant to most people. Like we have a lot of clients Mm. who, and I'll give you an example of something that might resonate with your listeners, other clients who went to Australia, maybe backpacked, set up a business, a lot of construction businesses, or maybe, you know, they have equipment that they use, very successful businesses, you know, they're PTY LTDs in Australia. Um, maybe settle down, buy a house, marry an Aussie or not, or marry an Irish person and decide to come home. And we've had a couple of clients who kind of want to work, continue to keep the Aussie business, but live in Ireland. 
So that's where the treaty will come into it because, you know, now you've got a business or a company in Australia, you need to extract money from it when you're in Ireland. Ireland wants to tax the extraction of them of the income and Australia wants to tax the corporate entity. So that's where the treaty needs to kind of be looked at and interpreted. But yeah, the double tax agreement won't just say, oh, you don't pay tax in Ireland because you've declared it in Australia. It just, it just doesn't say that. It, it depends on each income and asset type that we're talking about. Yeah, of course. Now, talking about the individual tax, which is probably the stuff that a lot of people will be interested in, especially if they're coming from Australia to Ireland or from any country for that matter, the Irish tax for individuals comes in three different types, doesn't it? It does. Uh, yes. So you've got income tax, which mm-hmm. is most people are familiar with. You know, if you go on revenue website, that you'll see a lot of information about that. There's two rates, 20% and 40%. So uh, a couple of like housekeeping points around the taxes is that in in our, in Australia, generally speaking, an individual does a tax return. In Ireland, if you're married, it's common for married couples to be assessed jointly. Now, I would always recommend this if, to be honest, there's, 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 there's no downside from being assessed as a married couple. There's only really upside because people tend to miss out on tax savings when they're not jointly assessed. So as an insurance mm-hmm. policy, I usually say to my clients, if you're married, it's worthwhile being jointly assessed. One of the things that, you know, a simple example would be married couple um, have a baby. One partner stays at home to look after the baby and does so on a full-time basis. There's a home care tax credit, which is just basically a reduction in the tax liability of €1,700 a year. It's a tax credit then that can be claimed by the partner who is working. So those little things are lovely little things to pick up on. And you'll do so when you're being assessed jointly. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. In terms of the tax rates, 20%, 40%, if a married couple both have income, they go into that 40% bracket over €80,000. If a single person has income, they go into the higher 40% rate when they go over €40,000. So that's the first thing. There's a secondary tax, and it's worth calling it a tax because that's what it is. And it's called universal social charge. That was introduced to kind of top up the exchequer. Uh, in the dark, dark days of the recession. And obviously, mm-hmm. it's much more difficult to inc- incentivize politicians to remove taxes. Um, and there's, you know, in the public realm, there's discussion about USC being removed because the rates that apply, it goes from 0.5% up to 8%. And it can go as high as 11% if you have non-employment income of over €100,000 a year. So when we add that then too to a 4% social insurance charge, so PRSI, it's not massively dissimilar to like the Medicare levy, to be honest, but it's a bit different because it tends to offer benefits that, you know, we don't have a like for like comparison between the Australian social insurance system and the Irish. The Irish one, I think, tends to be better in terms of the, the benefits it offers. But again, I'm not an expert on the Australian social insurance system. So yeah, when you add up your income tax, your universal social charge, and, and to be clear, you don't get anything for universal social charge other than it's it's a tax that is levied and your PRSI, you do you are building up an entitlement to something with your PRSI. So you're building up the mm-hmm. entitlement to an Irish state pension, you're building up an entitlement to claim disability benefits, illness benefits. It depends on the class of PRSI you're paying. But broadly, once you add all those together you end up at that 52%. So that's 40% being the highest rate, 
8% being the highest rate of universal social charge and 4% being the social insurance charge that you, you pay. So that's 52% for most taxpayers who are in that higher tax bracket. Mm-hmm. On that point too, just a, another little nugget for people to take away. There is a reciprocal agreement between Ireland and Australia, which covers entitlement to an Irish state pension. So for example, if an individual has worked in Australia for a period of time and they come back to Ireland and work in Ireland for a period of time, but they don't necessarily build up a full entitlement to an Irish state pension, it's always worth reaching out to the Department of Social Protection. This would be more relevant for somebody who comes back to Ireland later in their working life. In other words, you can accumulate contributions that you've made in the in Australia with the Irish ones to get across the line and get uh, an Irish state pension of sorts. So that's just something to be aware of. There's good information on citizensinformation.ie about that, about combining social insurance contributions from overseas locations. And Australia is one of those places you can do that for. That's brilliant. Um, I honestly don't know where to go from here. <laughs> you cover so much. It's great. I'm so sorry. I go down so many rabbit holes and I do this. I've been thinking about this because we do consults and at the end of them, people are like, well, you just went through so much information. And I was chatting the other day and I said, maybe I should like read it back in a bit. But we do try to do that. You know, like we, we, we've, we've gathered a lot of information. And mm. for me, a successful in- interaction with a client is that at the end of it, they say that and they just, you know, you know, they, they go, wow, like this is just so much information because really that's what you want, isn't it? When you speak to somebody who's made the move, who understands it, you know, we, we focus on a specific cohort of clients. We are not a Joe Public tax advisor. I would put my hands up and say, you know, if you ask me about something like VAT on property, it's not my gig. Uh, we, we do what we do. We do it well. And I always say to people, you know, if they're having a consult with us, um, you want to walk away from it with action points and they ha- you want those to translate to savings, don't you? So that's, that's what we, we try to offer in terms of our service. Absolutely. But sorry, I, I probably don't make for a good interviewee. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's just um, for the listeners, I recently underwent a consultation myself to unwrap some of the things that you're unwrapping here. And I, I found that after that, I kind of had the same feeling that I've got at the moment with what to unpack next, because there's always more. That's why someone like yourself can start a successful business at doing expat taxes because there is so many mm. different avenues and different specific things that you can explore and you definitely should explore them in your specific circumstances with someone who knows. And I think as well, what do you want? Like as a client, like I think about what do I want as a client if I'm buying a service? Maybe I'm just ambitiously lazy, but you know, I want somebody to explain it to me in a way that doesn't fry my brain. Um, so I don't want to walk mm-hmm. away and feel like, you know, what did I do that for? You want it explained clearly. You want clear action points. And it's great if you can save a bit of money too. And I think if you can kind of give that in terms of how you deal with people, because let's be real, you know, tax is just one of the many things people are trying to navigate when they go from one location to the other. Mm. You know, nobody wants to become a tax expert. Nobody consults with us because they want to understand what the double tax agreements say. They want to understand how it applies to them. So the art for us is being able to do that, to kind of distill complex information into a simple manner so people can go away with a list of things and go, right, I need to do this, this, and this. And, and you know, mm-hmm. to be clear here, I don't want to like scare your listeners, but we have seen this go like t- tremendously wrong for people when they haven't taken advice. Now, this doesn't apply to everybody, okay? So I don't want people like lying awake at night listening to this thinking, oh my goodness. Yes, please don't. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please don't lie awake at night. Let, let me give you an example. If somebody has, you know, if they're quite a, a wealthy individual with a lot of assets, you know, they just definitely have to take advice before they make a move. But we've seen people who haven't done that. You know, we've had individuals with tax liabilities in one year, an additional 70, 80,000 euros simply because they didn't understand one piece of law. And that's the thing about taxes. You know, think about the tax return system in Ireland and just to kind of round out on tax deadlines we touched on earlier. Let's say you come to Ireland in February of this year and you have a tax return to do. So the tax return for 2023 is due by October 2024, assuming you have to do one. Okay. By the time you get around to doing your tax return, you know, if you're an organized person, you're probably going to do it in April of next year, May. Most people try to do it at the last minute. We usually ask them not to do that because it makes our life very difficult. But that's besides the point. Mm -hmm. What can you do at that point? You can't go back in time. You can't like undo what's happened. In other words, the tax liability is lagging. It's already crystallized by the time you have to pay it. And that's why it's so important to be proactive. The, the best tax planning is that is, you know, proactive because that's what planning is by its very nature, isn't it? It's, it's looking forward, what's coming down the line? How can we change legitimately a set of circumstances or do or not do? Like, what would I do or not do if I had the information at my fingertips to make the right decision? That's really what we're trying to do for people in a very simple level. Yes. And you do it very well, I must say. <laughs> I just think there must be, there's loads of people like asleep. They're like, oh God, <laughs> too much information. Well, look, we're going to wake them up. We're going to say uh, <clears throat> the main things that you would have heard in this episode, the three different types of tax that you would expect to pay in Ireland. A short one about the capital gains tax on property, which is an interesting one to explore. Again, there's an episode to, to yeah, definitely uh, on your podcast to tackle about that. Check the show notes for a link. You talked about the double tax treaty. We talked about tax residency and the implications for that in both countries. Obviously, we're talking about all of these things from an Australian to Ireland context, because that's what from my home to yours is currently about. You did mention too that other countries have double tax treaties as well, but there are a lot of other varying scenarios there. So while we've made our best attempt, I think, at a shortish episode that kind of jumps over the tax implications in Ireland for people moving in. Uh, I think they should definitely listen to Tax Bites for Expats, your podcast, to pick up the full story. And if not that, then register for a consultation yeah. with one of your fine accountants. We also have a blog, which we're, we're quite trying to be quite proactive in that space. Um, and we're just in the middle of rolling out uh, some customer stories. Sometimes people need to kind of figure out where they sit. Um, and there are some really good customer mm -hmm. stories where we've kind of gone back and told the story of previous clients. The problem they had, you know, how we helped them and what the outcome was. So yeah, that might be, we try to put a lot of free information as well on the website if people aren't ready to book a consult yet, or they can subscribe to our newsletter. And on a monthly basis, we try to drop like three different tax tips into their inbox. And isn't it great? You know, if someone can give you a good tax tip, literally just put money in your back pocket. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> That's it. That's what we all want. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on to this episode. We might get you back on again in a future episode if there's some questions that come up that people are interested to explore. Definitely. If, if people have topics they would like to hear about, I'm, I'm very happy to come back on. Thank you. I, it's really nice to be interviewed for once as opposed to be the interviewer, because, but I feel for you. <laughs> I'm not sure I made it easy. <laughs> you did. There's so much good stuff there. there. Might be a couple of listens of this episode, but people will hopefully take a lot out of it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me, Stephanie. It's been great. 
It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Matthew. I really enjoyed it. So that was an epic interview, wasn't it? Amazing. I was fascinated, genuinely. I was like, please tell me more about taxes, because believe it or not, I actually want to know and understand. And it and it it's extremely useful information. It's whether you want to know about it or not, you have to know the tax implications for being in this country and potentially, you know, having money or property or some kind of resources in another country as well. Yeah. I think think the biggest things was that you should plan for the Irish tax system and the system for the country you're coming from before you move. Yeah. And that the reason they exist and have a paid service for this is so that you don't have to learn about the tax system and they can just tell you what you need to know to make sure that you've still got money in your pocket. That, that I think, is the biggest thing about uh, making sure you get the most out of your money, I guess. Absolutely. And I also think it's so important in these kind of situations to let an expert handle it because mm. you might think personally that you know a fair bit and you you may do, but I think having an expert just look over everything, it's that reassurance of knowing, okay, I, I'm not actually making a mistake somewhere along the way. And as we know, expenses you know, can mount and mistakes can be costly. So we want to make sure that that doesn't happen either for us or for any of our listeners. That's it. And it is a bit of outlay of money to talk to a consultant like this. So uh, Expat Taxes and Stephanie have been very kind to provide a special consultation link to us, which will provide you a 60 euro discount what? on their regular consultation fee, which will make it 195 euros for the consultation. Now, obviously, as we just said, it's a big outlay of money, especially if you're only just coming to grips with living in a, a new country or returning to an old one. But it's 195 euro that could save you thousands on the other side. So yeah. uh, if you do want to take advantage of that, there will be a link in the show notes for how to access the consultation page to book an appointment with Stephanie herself. Or you can head to from my home to yours podcast.com forward slash taxes. And that will also redirect you there. Mm. Yes, we're getting sounds all, fancy. We're getting very technical on this podcast. <laughs> um, now, just to give you a heads up, we haven't got a podcast website as yet, so that will just be a redirect to take you to Stephanie's services. But having taken advantage of one of the consultations myself, I can tell you they squeeze a lot into those sessions, and it's very much worth taking them up on that offer. So for the month of August and September, you can use this consultation link and save 60 euro every time you use it. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, just to be completely transparent, you paid full price for yours. You know, there was no special offer when you got it, but you I felt did. it was worth every single cent that was paid when you did it. Most definitely. And this is why we wanted to draw attention to it for our listeners, because it's a service that we've used, gotten value from, and feel that it's a service that our listeners could use as well. Yeah. But having your own private time with Stephanie is pretty great too. <laughs> Imagine like doing your own <laughs> podcast interview, but by yourself though. It's a great time. <laughs> I'm sure Stephanie will look forward to many occasions when people would like private time with her. <laughs> 
Let's oh. not dive too awesome. far down the road. No, hole, let's but, not. Uh, let's not do it. It's been a long week, and I think we're both uh, a little bit, a little bit Lula little at bit this Lula. stage. But anyway, <laughs> it's been a great chat. We'll see you again next week yeah. for more tea, more candles, more yes. house chat. Yes, and what moving to the west of Ireland has been like for us so far. Slauncha. We're drinking our tea tonic tea, very much enjoying it. We hope you're making full use of that promo code and the Healy's promo code as well. And we will talk to you all very soon again. Light the f-ing candles, everyone. Love you guys. Take care. Do your taxes. Mwah. <laughs>